Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. Uh, kind of crappy weather-wise here for winter, I must say, lately. Well, it, it, I suppose it depends on your perspective. Perspective being it's winter and there's no snow. <laughs> Some people <laughs> <There's> like <rain>. that. <laughs> the rain has, has gotten rid of all our snow, man. Yes. Got warm. I'm wearing a, a hoodie this week. No winter jacket, just a hoodie. I work with a few people that live north of uh, Lake Ontario, Lake you head towards Peterborough and and the Carthas and stuff. And they say that they're getting a lot of freezing rain up there. It's tend to be a lot colder and a lot more freezing stuff. Yeah. So, but uh, down here by the by Lake Ontario, right off the lake, it's uh, it's nice and uh, toasty warm. Uh, just when I thought we had it good, we got all that snow was piling up nicely. I know. <sighs> what was neat, and I think I mentioned it last week, is uh, so we had the minus 30, minus 25, minus 28 weather. Mm-hmm. And so all the water started freezing right along the edge of the lake. And all that yeah. frosty stuff was piling up, like 10 foot high piles of this these snow piles, this ice this, these mounds of ice on the shore. Uh, I was looking at it today when I was leaving work, and uh, there, we have a little, we have a loading dock there, and most of that snow is still there in that little bay. But all along the shore, it's pretty much all gone. It's uh, all disappeared. And I'm kind of kicking my butt because I wanted to go down and walk amongst them and take some pictures. And I just, Snooze you lose, Yeah, buddy. I know, exactly. There's it's a couple people, uh, they were talking about uh, some of the waterfalls that looked really nice, but now everything's melting and it's flooding. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, you really got to watch yourselves out there. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> oh, well, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? It's Toronto, man. Well, the weather, <laughs> the, I was looking at the long range forecast and the, the long range forecast for, is trending to about 10, minus 10, minus 12, minus mm-hmm. 13 degrees over the next yeah, two so weeks. Yeah, so stuff's going to freeze, but yeah. you want the snow. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I haven't checked to see what it's like up north, like Algonquin Park and stuff. But uh, what, a family day weekend is coming up. People are going to be wanting to do outdoorsy stuff. And yeah, it's uh, winter in the wild. Winter in the wild. Yeah, lake. all mud. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. You're going to have to make, no igloos this this, this uh, family day weekend. You have to make mud huts. Winter in the mild. <laughs> As opposed to um, New Year's where it was minus. Minus 33. <laughs> what a yeah. difference, eh? <laughs> difference a month and a half makes. But ah, we'll get through it all. Early but spring. I, I, yeah, I don't want an early spring. I just want some, some winter. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll take an early spring because, you know, you get out in the boats faster. But uh, I'd prefer to have some actual winter happening. Yeah. You know, but. And unfortunately, because of this melt-off, like uh, in the spring, the, uh, all the farmlands, the farmers, they count on the uh, the spring melt to uh, to flood the fields and have a nice, you know, get, get ready for the spring to start planting. With this melt, a lot of the runoff, they're going to lose a lot of the pre- prematurely lose the water. So that yeah. could change things. And, you know, everybody's looking for white water runs in the in the, uh, in the the spring. This could affect that too, right? All that, a lot of that well, runoff. And what it also, if, if it's not freezing deep enough into the ground, like your lawn. Yeah. All the grubs in that are, are staying uh, alive, right? Exactly. So they're going yeah. to destroy your lawn. More and more. And, and we've talked about this in the past, with uh, mild winters, more and more of the tick species survive into the next spring mm-hmm. and you have an overpopulation of ticks and it helps spread tick Lyme disease and all these and other all ones that, that are stuff. going around exactly. now that, that turn uh, you into a vegetarian yes. disease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, and it, it, it's all around, like even, even with the field mice and, and deer, like with mild seasons like this, you have the populations of deer rebound. And speaking thereof, I was just glanced at, I got, I got it tagged to go back and read it. But somebody's doing some um, experiments because they want to find out if humans can contra- uh, contract the deer disease. Oh, the brainworm thing. The brainworm thing. thing, yeah. Well, it'd be nice to know, but who's going to be the... Uh, Guinea pig? The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should mention, Derek, someone called asking for a volunteer, and I said, you'd love to go up and see them. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I got to go back and read exactly what it was, but uh, yeah, you just talking about the deer there and the because they would have to figure that out pretty darn quick. To uh, because I don't know if there's a treatment for it, but there must be a treatment. We have well, what it is is the moose go around and smell 
where they've been and smell the feces and the yeah, parasites or whatever jump from the feces onto the moose up their it's, sinuses and into their brain. The, uh, it's the small slugs, small snails. So the, uh, the deer can eat it. The deer doesn't really bother the deer, but these brain worms, like the moose, will get down and start browsing in, into the yeah. undergrowth and they pick up these, uh, these slugs. And uh, when they act inadvertently eat them, the uh, larvae come from the slug into the moose. Mm-hmm. Doesn't affect the deer. The deer, like they, they yeah, the deers uh, don't even realize they're there. Yeah, but the moose, it just yeah. they go bonkers. It's like mad cow disease type thing. Yeah. So stay away. Stop browsing in the yes. yes when you're in Algonquin yes. in the spring, don't, don't browse. Don't eat too many snails. Yeah. Don't eat the snails. Don't eat, don't sniff the the deer poo. Yeah. <laughs> 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 on that note, <laughs> so you sent me a link this week. Yes, and I sent I'm. You I thought that well, this this particular one, I'm thought. Oh, here we go, another jump start thing. <laughs> uh, because their website uses the same green this, and actually, and I everything. didn't send you this link. This was from Mike. Was this from Mike? This is Mike. Mike posted it. Okay, I thought you posted it. No, nope, Mike posted it. Oh, then we're blaming Mike Burns. Yes, it's Mike Burns. Way to go, Mike. <laughs> Remember, he said, uh, but, I, I agreed to let him buy one and let us use it. That's right. That's yes. right. And he still hasn't bought one yet. Yeah. Because he doesn't have a phone. He doesn't have a <laughs> cell phone to use it. He said he was going to get one. I can't imagine somebody in this day and age that doesn't have a, uh, a uh, smart He lives uh, in the boonies. He doesn't need one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, that's Mike, man. That's Mike. He's been, I want to get a, give him a, sh- a shout and record a little uh, bit with him there. Um, he's building. Oh, Yes. A skin-on frame canoe. A canoe, yeah. And he's showing a couple of pictures on his uh, Facebook it's page. It's coming along really I'm nicely. I'm thinking, like, wow. It's coming along really yeah. nicely. He's so he's at the point now. He's what do you say? There's like 480 individual straps. Straps, and he's the, three quarters done. Yeah. So yeah, like, <laughs> strapping the ribs to yeah, strapping the ribs to the whatever ribs to the ribs to the yeah. shin bone. Connected Everywhere to where the a piece of wood crosses. Arm bone to the yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, speaking of Mike there, yeah, we saw that picture there. Got to give him a shout and ask him how he's doing on it. Yes. Uh, but anyway, you really took a shine to this thing because I know this is right up your alley. It is, and I, I'm resisting. I don't, I'm don't. i cutting myself off from buying too many of these gizmos. But it is really neat, and if I was in the market for something like this, I, I think this is really handy. I, I was very tempted, but I've resisted. But uh, this is a basically a small dynamo. It's a propeller driven. It uh, so the little fan motor. It runs and generates electricity. So you basically have an output through a USB cable, and this device will. You can either have it submerged in water. Water flows through and runs the turbine, and depending on the speed of the water flow, you can you can charge a phone in like an hour and a half, two hours. It's like a high powered charger. Or you can have it in wind, and uh, like the thing is, we looked at the wind speeds, and we you're t- we're talking like minimum twenty five kilometers an hour wind. Yeah. What's what's that in miles an hour? Not as many. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't do the conversion thing there. Um, yeah, but twenty five kilometers an hour. Yeah. Now that's that's gonna charge according to their site here. That's gonna charge your phone in eight hours. But if you want to charge your phone in two and a half hours, throw it into 36 kilometer an hour winds. Yes. And then you can phone Oz <laughs> while your phone's charged. <laughs> um, yeah, I was looking at, at the speeds of the water and, and the, the wind in order to make this thing um, charge fast enough. But the, if you know those little, this reminds me of? Is, you know, you see those things people, the scuba divers wear, the, the little engines? They look like torpedoes with a propeller on the back. Yeah. Yes, yes. And it has the casing around the propeller. Exactly. That's exactly what this looks yeah. like. It looks like the casing with the propeller inside. Yes. And that's all it is. And there's a wire coming out of that with a USB connector on the end that charges your, your the battery that they yeah. can then charge your, your gizmos, right? Exactly, yes. Um, so, yeah, you know what? It is pretty cool. It's small, which is nice. Uh, my big thing... About the, and this is what I've always said about these things. They're pretty cool if you're bringing your cell phone or your, it, it'll charge your GoPro. Yeah. But if you're bringing something that takes big-ass batteries, like, I mean, I bring my DSLR with the extra battery packs. Yes. I so, bring my big video camera with the big yes. battery. Like, I mean, I need to be plugging those into the All wall. All of those specialty batteries, they don't charge off of a typical USB yeah. outlet. Yeah. So it, it's not, you're not going to get what you want. But 
on the bonus side is if you have a digital SLR, like I know my digital SLR, the battery lasts forever. Mm -hmm. So if there's not as critical, you have two or three batteries and that lasts you a week type thing. If you're, if you're into that kind of photography, but for the most part, if you have like some sort of GPS or if you have uh your phone, you like a lot your of people. Tablet, your tablet, yeah, your iPod, pad, and, thing. And, and not that you want to be dragging a lot of electronics in the backcountry, but like I use my phone for navigation. I do a lot of photography with mm-hmm. my phone. So it, uh, it they're, they're, you know, your little smart boxes, they're, they're multi-purpose now. So, and I generally keep it put away except for photos. So it's always on, you know, airplane mode to save battery. And I just kind of use it for taking pictures. Yeah. So, I mean, for a lot of people, yeah. And it's, I mean, this is exactly the same as the, um, solar panels we've talked about before, Yes. Yep. you know, that lay on top of your, yeah. your canoe package you're going for the day or on the, the, you know, the deck of your kayak as you're yep. paddling along, that sort of thing, you know, and it'll charge your battery pack and then you can in turn charge your, exactly. your phones yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Right. I had one of those solar chargers last summer. Uh, it was like a, $180 on sale for 99. I thought it was the greatest thing. It's like, oh, a solar charger. Anyways, I uh I was it was on the trip with Mikey in uh, July. I was charging it and charging my phone at the same time. So there's too much power throughput. Mm-hmm. It got hot and it burned it out. It doesn't work anymore. Well, see the so, problem we had with ours <laughs> is when you're tripping through October and all of a sudden it gets really cloudy. Oh. And yeah. then the snow starts. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many things you got plugged into it. None of it's charging. Yeah. <laughs> so lesson learned on my part is uh, don't charge the, your device at the same, same time it's charging something else. I think it's supposed to charge a battery. Because even this thing here. Um, well, it has its own internal battery. So just leave it out to charge itself and then plug it in and charge your other Is stuff. the battery internal or is it external? I no, it's got a external cord and a battery pack that plugs into the external cord. So yeah, so no- you you were charging the battery pack. Yes, and then from the bat, then after you that can you take your phone the directly battery- into this. Yeah. So the battery yeah, pack yeah, yeah, plugs yeah. into it, or your phone can plug into yeah. it. Yeah, but it's I wouldn't. Gonna- I wouldn't plug my phone into the battery pack while charging no, the battery no, pack. No, and that sounds like what is that? What you did? That's what I did. I yeah. Way to go, Wiener. <laughs> and and now, now you are the proud owner of a $160 <laughs> paperweight, but a good-looking solar-powered paperweight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing about this, which I know you uh, caught on right away, Canadian. Yes. They're a Canadian company. So they are, the, the, a couple of them went to MUN, so Memorial University of Newfoundland. They're, so this company is out of St. John's. And uh, so it's a couple of Maritimers. There's four of them together. They're all engineers at, from Mun, and uh, they've designed this device to. Uh, so it, it's it's nice. It's kind of Canadian homegrown. It's uh, it looks like a reasonable device. It's uh, right now. It's currently on sale as we speak. I don't know how long the sale is going to be for, but it's like what twenty percent off. Uh, limited quantity available. Twenty percent discount ends soon. Shipping January 2018. So I'm yeah. thinking this is maybe just the end of a go a Kickstarter. Yeah. Did I say a Jumpstarter earlier? <laughs> I, I think know. I did. Yeah, Kickstarter. If In case we haven't mentioned the name of it, it's called Water Lily. Yeah, it's the Water Lily. It's called the, yeah, and the website is waterlilyturbine.com. Um, they are regularly 200 bucks. Pre-order it and it's 160. Yeah. And there's a hand crank yes so if it is a windless day in the desert <laughs> you can still charge. then you can charge your stuff because there's yeah. a little hand crank that turn that connects to it and yeah you can just crank for an extra 20 bucks um uh, yeah river wind hand powered tow behind your canoe uh kayak raft stand-up yeah. paddleboard whatever you're exactly you're floating uh manual charging compact and durable charge day or night uh, USB output. So it's, it is pretty cool looking. They have a couple little videos there. You can see how they do it, what comes with and that sort of thing. At the um, very least, it's worth checking out. Just taking a look, seeing how it works. It's, it's a, it's rather compact. It's not that big. So it's, it's surprising the, uh, how powerful and effective it is. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? The size is what got me is, is how small it is. So. Yeah. Well, I think you should buy one. 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm cutting myself off. Yes, he's deleting the link as we speak. <laughs> so go check out the water lily at waterlilyturbine.com and uh, see what it, uh, see if it'll work for you other than uh, solar charging or any other means. Yeah. Right? Um, in the meantime, just to totally leave that subject, but still stay on the topic of articles we have seen this, this week. Okay. I came across an article from 2013. A couple years yeah, ago? Just a couple years ago. Yeah. Two guys paddled from France to Istanbul, Turkey. Okay, well, I'm, I see why you wanted me to have my That's Google why map I said out. you better have your Google Maps up, buddy. I don't know buddy. where that is. Where? It was oh, over in oh, Europe. Oh, there's Turkey. Yeah. Okay. Right on the oh, edge of... Oh, you, you paddle past the boot of Italy. Yeah. The boot of Italy. Boot of Italy. <laughs> the fat bald guy in Italy. He's the Buddha Italy. <laughs> so it just got me thinking. Okay. Uh -oh. So project, hurt yourself. Yeah. Hey, this is a possible trip for David Lee. Oh. He would. He would so be into this. I'm telling you. And he's he's gonna he's gonna listen and he's gonna go. They're right. <laughs> So this was approximately 3,000 miles across Europe, 146 days. Yeah. France, Germany, Austria, Slovakia, Hungary, Croatia, Serbia, Romania, Bulgaria, and Turkey. Some of those places are kind of dangerous. Um, yeah. Is Croatia of. still... Uh, well, I think they still have in there some issues there, but not yeah. like it was. Kosovo is Roma right there. Romania, he, they, they were talking in the article, Romania they were not happy with. <laughs> um... Was it Romania? They ended up, they made a, they were going through canals and stuff like that. And yeah, the, the routes they took, it wasn't a solid, um, okay. you know, one jump in, 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 in France and paddle all the way. Um, they take some canals and stuff like that. I guess they, it was really rough at one point yeah. and they got out of the boat and started walking while they were on like a military firing range. Oh, they oops. ended up having to get somebody to bail them out. <laughs> so, you know, oops. Yeah. Um, but they said, yeah, Romania wasn't a good place. They didn't re they didn't enjoy Romania. There was something else about it besides <laughs> that, I think. Uh, he says, with a few connecting rivers, there is no easy passage across Europe by canoe. So it made it a real challenge. We had to go out of direction so many times to stay in the water. The route we undertook is a network of rivers and canals with hundreds of miles to battle upstream as well as challenging coastlines and industrial locks to overcome. So it looks like they just went from puddle to puddle to puddle, <laughs> you know, wherever possible. But they made it in 146 days, about just pretty close to 3,000 miles across Europe. I, where do people like this come from? Like we keep see, seeing these stories crop up and like... like <laughs> they were they were like 21 22 year old couple of students huh. this decided that you know what we just graduated let's let's go do it let's and they hadn't canoed and camped before <laughs> they just said let's go do this and they and did let's it. go through some war-torn countries yeah why not <laughs> that'll be fun yeah i got nothing better to do this weekend <laughs> hey what are you doing for the next couple months nothing why what are you doing well, let's hop in the canoe and we'll paddle across Europe. Sounds good to me. Sounds legit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they did. So, seeing all of that, I'm looking at this map of the world. Okay. Okay, and this is why I told you, you want to have your map out. So, you see where France is. I see France. Right? I see Paris. I see it's in Paris, France. I see France. I'm not wearing underpants. <laughs> Um, so they went across there and you can see where they went and, you know, their, their route and where they ended up. Yeah. So I started following things. It's very mountainous. Yeah. So when you get to Istanbul, which is the bottom of the Black Sea. Okay. Now, if anybody else wants to get the map of the world up while they're listening, we'll give you a second. <laughs> I can't find Istanbul. Istanbul is... Between the Mediterranean and the Black Sea. Oh, okay. You see Greece? Yeah. It's north east of Greece. Yeah. Near Bulgaria, Bucharest, Romania. Okay, yeah, yep, yep, yep. All right. Istanbul, Gabiz, Sakarya. Yeah, that's the one. Bursa. Yeah. Okay. So. <coughs> okay. 
Okay. After a beautiful stay in Istanbul, Turkey, <laughs> we continue our journey along the Caspian Sea, which has a route that connects to the Black Sea. Okay. All right. So now you've gone through Georgia, Azerbaijan, Armenia, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. More uh, good places. War-torn areas. But if you're looking, I'm staying away from Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan and <laughs> Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan. So you go to the top. Of the Black Sea? Of the Black Sea. And there's this green space with rivers that you can tootle around and up and through, right? Yeah. There's so basically, there. there's a water route that goes up through and around the north edge of Kazakhstan. There's some, you know, you got to, there is a route that goes, there is a river. When you start zooming right in yeah. and you start, you know, dragging and moving, you can follow, there is a big river. I mean, it's big in spots where it's like lakes. Oh, there's the Danube And then river. it goes, there's the Danube, right? That goes through. Um, my Google Maps turns into Russian writing once I get into Russia. Yeah, mine too. That doesn't help me at all. But you can follow the rivers that go go through Russia along the the borders. So like I say, it is a dodgy route through Russia, a series of different waterways. No, really? It is. Um, <laughs> dodgy. I'd say it's, <laughs> it's dodgy. It's kind of dodgy. You, you've got to pick and choose. There is going to be some portaging and stuff like that, you know, yeah. um, that sort of deal. But if you follow it all, you take the time and follow it all, because, you know, I had nothing better to do with my time <laughs> than, than hunt for a route across Russia by, by waterway. Wow. You can get through the waterways till there till a spot just north of where Mongolia and China meet. Okay. Okay. So if you look at your handy dandy map, you'll wow. see. Right. Are you trying to get to Alaska? Shh! Don't spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to hear you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> where Mongolia and China meet, you can get all the way over to there. Uh, and then there's a couple larger waterways from there. It's not as dodgy now. Yes. That will take you right to dodgy. the coast. Okay. So now you've crossed all of Europe and all of Asia. Yeah. Now you're cruising up the coast and, and whatnot. 55 miles of paddling. Okay. Will get you from Russia to Alaska across the Bering Strait. Too easy. Yeah, that's what I thought. Too easy. So the question is, do you want to use a kayak across Europe and, and, and Asia, or do you want to use a canoe? I think I'd go canoe. Um, Simply because yeah. you're going to be doing some portaging. Yes. Right? There's going to be so a lot you'd, of portaging. So you canoe. Then once you hit the coast... Um, so a Kevlar canoe, is it bulletproof? I would hope so. <laughs> so that's the the Sea of Okhotsk. Oh, something like that, right? Exactly. Yeah. The coast. So you zip around there, and you can end up, like I say, at the tip of Russia, twenty or fifty-five miles away, is Alaska. All right, you with me yep. so far? Yep, there used to be land bridge right. there once upon a time. There is, where we came from. There is that one island, um, Diomede Islands, between the two. Yeah. Big and small. But technically, so all of a sudden, you're in Alaska. I would do that section. Once Once I hit the coast of Russia, I think I'd switch to a kayak. Because then you're doing some heavy-duty seas. Yes. Right? You're very exposed out there. So I would definitely change from from a, a canoe to a kayak for that route. Huh. Once you hit Alaska, you know there's routes going all through Alaska. Oh, absolutely. The Yukon, the Northwest, all that sort of stuff. And then a big thank you to Mr. Mike Ranta. Yes. Because, because of him, we know that it is now possible... To cross Canada. To cross Canada by <laughs> canoe. Because, see, once you get... Into Alaska, you'd switch back to a canoe, right? Yes. And you can canoe all the cross North America. Thank you, Mike Ranta, for, <laughs> for helping with my plan. 
Okay, so now we've covered Europe, Asia, North America. So, this obviously is where you're this not... gets the hard part. This is the hard part. This becomes the hard part. Now. Okay. Okay. So, once you get to Newfoundland, right? Okay. You come out the straight Newfoundland. Again, you're going to want to switch into like a nice heavy-duty sea kayak. Yep. Right? All the way up the coast. Way, 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 way. Baffin way, Bay? Way, way Right up to the north end of Baffin Bay. Wow. There is a spot that is 32 miles across to Greenland. Okay. Right? So why would because you Because otherwise it's a thousand kilometers across. Yeah, but it's 10,000 kilometers to get up there. <laughs> Shut up. Do you want to go back to work or do you want to extend your holiday? <laughs> like, yeah, work with me, buddy. Oh, my God. I'm going to be looking for a new host soon. <laughs> so you go up there. You see some nice northern spots. And maybe it's frozen at this point, And you can actually do some walking. <laughs> You can you can tote your stuff with you behind you. I'm not letting you plan so, any of my trips. So <laughs> so you cross whether you cross straight from Newfoundland straight across to the southern point of Greenland. The Vikings did it. Not in kayaks, they didn't. <laughs> no, they had worse. So they had rafts. Rat. They had ships. Glorified rafts. <laughs> so anyway, back in Greenland, <laughs> come all the way back down to the point, bottom point of Greenland. Yeah. Then skirt up the east side till you are straight across from Iceland. 333 miles from Greenland straight across to Iceland. Ooh, that's, uh, that's a bit of a haul. That is a bit of a haul. <laughs> <laughs> but you're almost done. Yeah. And at this point you're going, well, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> And then you you know you rest up in Iceland for a bit, see some sights, have a couple of drinks, catch a plane, catch a you know, <laughs> have a couple of drinks and some food and you know that sort yeah. of thing. couple of tours. And you paddle around the other side, six hundred and forty miles to Norway. Oh. <laughs> There's a couple of li- islands. There's along a the couple way. of islands along the way because you're scooting straight across, and that's where I did my my um, measurements. The Faroe Islands. I did my measurements from the island straight across to the south point of. Uh, pretty much the south point of Norway. Right? Yep. So now we're in Norway and Norway is just a hop, skip and a jump straight back down to France where you started. <laughs> what do you think? Um, I'm not going to let you plan my trips. That's what I think. That would be cool. It would be interesting. It might take you about 10 years. No, I'm thinking more along the lines like five Six. You think you could do it in five or six? I could do it in five or six. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The hard part would be once you left. Um, I mean, well, it'd all be hard, but the hardest part would be getting from Newfoundland to Norway. Yes. Or, well, Newfoundland to France. Yes. I mean, if you want to just go yeah, straight across. Yeah, a lot of exposed and, water. Yeah. And that's why I, route, I did that route because there's a lot of spots up there where you're... Um, like you're following coastline, right? To get to a tiny spot across. But it's up to you which way you want to go. I would take airfare. So if you're on a plane and you're sitting in your kayak while the plane is flying, <laughs> does that count? Absolutely. absolutely. As, long as, you, as long as you're going through the motions of paddling, yes, absolutely, yeah. that counts. <laughs> so I can do it in, in 10 days. <laughs> But yeah, I just you know I I just got uh, I'm thinking about a couple of trips for the summer and looking at and this you know, is one of them. So well yeah this, this, this is one of them. Um, just coming up with a couple of different articles on trips people are doing and great places to see and places to paddle and stuff. And I come across this article. I'm thinking they went across Europe. Yeah, that because I mean we talked about you know crazy. where where you'd go canoeing in Europe and stuff yeah. like that. And we talked like the Danube River and, and stuff and a couple of spots we hit. But they went all the way across 3,000 miles. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's such a dangerous area that they've crossed through. Like, you know, all the... Well, yeah, right around... Serbia, uh, Croatia. The, yeah, and... all of that in that area. Yeah. That's... Uh, Yeesh. 
Yeah, I, I mean, Istanbul, I would definitely want to be maybe thinking about... I mean, I just did it to go through, you know, Azerbaijan, Georgia, you know, hit the Caspian Sea because it's over that way. But you could cut all that out and just head north out of the Black Sea. Yep. You know, and catch a couple of routes, or little waterways that go up and end up in the same spot, right? Um, definitely would be very wary going south into Iran. Yeah. Syria is, is south of Turkey. But, I mean, our route wouldn't even go near near Syria. <laughs> it wouldn't go near Iran. Um, so it's not like I'm trying to totally kill you, but it's doable. Yes, it's, it's totally doable. doable. It's totally you doable. could paddle. There is a route you could find to paddle around the world. <laughs> I'm not talking just across Canada. I'm not talking, yeah. you know, we're just going up Mississippi. No, I'm talking the whole planet, buddy. <laughs> whole planet. Oh, wow. yeah. So that's, you know. That's nice. I'm trip. probably going to end up going to Tomogamy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, this is what came up, and that's what I saw. And that's, you know. Uh, but you know what? You can split that up. It's, I a, mean, it's an interesting mental exercise. How long does it take Mike to... Build a boat? Cross, cross Canada. Oh, Mike, right. It took him a few months, right? Um... Yeah, he starts like April, May, right at, right at spring, and he usually goes right to a snowfall. June, July, August. So if you can do North America in one year, yeah, and then, well, it probably have to be more than a bit of a year because you're not coming from the east coast or the straight from the west coast across. You're coming from north, so you're looking at maybe a year and a half, yeah, to do North America. Yeah, hundred and forty-six yeah. yeah. days is what three months, four months. Right about four months? Something like that. So call it two and a half years. Yeah. For North America and Europe. Hmm. Asia, I would give that because of how difficult that one is. I'd give that another year. Plus very... So three and a half years. Yes. Okay. And that only leaves you the Newfoundland to Norway corridor. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the Newfoundland <laughs> to Norway corridor. So you figure that. So yeah, five, five and a half years. You could do, because you'd be basing it on seasons. Yes. Right? Based on seasons and the fact that you don't have a job. Yeah. And you got to beg for money and <laughs> food and hunt rabbits and <laughs> pelts, beavers. Zoinks. Yeah. No, something like this, you would definitely be having people pitch in some, you know, <laughs> some money and stuff like that. Yes. And I'm not talking $50 from your bank account, buddy. Yeah. You know, something person. like this would be a major, major expense. Oh, yeah. But you know what? You could do the entire thing because just because of the seasons. If you, if you were strictly looking to paddle, I'm not yeah. talking like, oh, yeah, we're hitting the north. It's freezing up. We're going to pull our kayak across. That doesn't count. You're not paddling at that point. No. Right? I mean, portaging is one thing, but dragging your stuff because the ice, that's different. Once the ice comes in, <laughs> yes. once you can't paddle anymore, yeah. Yeah. then you're done for the season. And you got to wait till next year. So actual paddle time, I think it would probably, you'd probably end up being three years. Yeah, just about. Three years of straight paddling. <laughs> with the other couple of years being <laughs> downtime because you can't paddle. Because frozen... And you could work your way across too. So you'd work for a couple of weeks and get enough money for food. And oh, supplies that'd and... make forever. That'd take forever. Well, then I just have somebody work for me. You need somebody. You need a sugar daddy to. Uh... You could go <laughs> ahead. You could work. Buy food, and then by the time I get there, you've got all the food. There's caches of food. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then I just follow you around. I, I paddle. You drive. It's all good. See? It's too fun. It is. No problem at all. There you go, buddy. <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I'm just going to go to Tomogamy. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, you, you start looking at it like this, and like I say, you, you just pull up the mat and map and start following rivers, and you, you realize that it's actually possible. If you had the time and the money, yep. it yes. is actually possible. It is. 
I mean, there's spots that are, like you say, definitely rather dangerous, dangerous yeah. because of the countries. Rather dangerous because of 600 and 640 miles yeah. of open water. What's that, like a 1,000 kilometers or something? <laughs> 10,000. You know? I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's definitely lots of risk involved. You definitely need to know flat water, white water. Yes. All of that. It would be fun. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> dreams, buddy. We all have dreams. Yes. If anybody wants to pay for me to go on this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah just send me your name. Send me your bank account <laughs> balance and we'll talk. Yes. <laughs> Meantime, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dark Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. Uh, I was looking through some stuff. Have you heard about the new Canada Border um, Services Agency about knives? I have. My brother was talking about this. It's. Uh, I'm not sure where they... I, I, I wasn't even aware this was a problem. I. You know what? In relation to our show, it really doesn't make a difference one way or the other. No. Until I started reading it. And there is one part that does because of the type of knives. Yes. So basically they've come out with this, uh, they're doing a big crackdown on centrifugal opening knives. You know, the old butterfly knives, the switch blades. And or yeah, or any locking blade utility knife like that you can flick open. Yeah. Like a lot of, some of these knives, and I've got a couple at home where there's a little tab on the side where you can just wedge your thumb against it. You can flick the knife open with your thumb or just by using centrifugal force or centrifugal force, you just a flick of the wrist and the blade comes open. Yeah. Flick knives, stud knives, disc or flipper activated folders. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah. And if there's any police uh, listening to our show, <laughs> Derek did not just say that. Well, see, the problem, the thing is, is like you can have them, you just can't cross the border. Yeah. With and that, that's what this is all about. This is about the border crossing, yes. right? So whether it's, you're allowed to have them in Canada or it's just the border yeah. part. And, and where this becomes a problem with people in, in our line of, uh, recreation is, uh, like people who do go camping or or tripping or paddling when you cross the border like i I know like i carry a couple spare knives in my pack and stuff like that you always need a knife somewhere cutting some cord Mm -hmm. doing some tie downs for tarps whatever you have this knife in your pocket and uh so now these things you can't cross the border with so the recent ruling has now basically said that they can prohibit all but the most basic folding knives and multi-tools. Yeah. And that's what gets me is they throw multi-tools in there all of a sudden. It's funny. but I mean, I've got a multi-tool in my truck. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. You know, uh, just in case, you know, I need to multi-tool someone to death. Yeah. Well, they didn't say they're going (laughs) to ban the multi-tools. They're saying that only the multi-tools will be allowed after this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically they say it will affect travelers and residents. Yes. You know, so Canadians, yeah. Americans, whoever's coming in, it's going to affect everybody bringing things, yes. crossing the border, right? And, and apparently it had to be a problem. Like they're, they're not going to just randomly enact new legislation and stuff like that just for the heck of it. So no, there's got to be a problem. That's there's been a going. perceived problem here with the. Uh, with these types of knives. Yeah. So they're trying to do it, you know, cut down on it and stop it from coming in. Um, so basically, according to it, a folding knife is illegal if it has a blade that opens by centrifugal force uh, or 
it requires some preliminary or simultaneous minimal manipulation of either a flipper or other non-edged parts of the blade. Yes. I mean, this got legalese written all over it. <laughs> yes, I know, eh? <laughs> yeah, I, you if have the to party read of the first yeah. part flicks the party of the second part and flips open the party of the third part. Yeah. yeah. You have to read some of these paragraphs a couple times to get what they're getting at just because they they make it so it's so obtuse. It's uh it's kind of irritating the way they make it so difficult to understand but what they're doing is they're they're trying to avoid gray areas and that's why their wording have to has to be very specific and direct and it doesn't normally make sense until you think well they're trying to get the people who are looking for loopholes and you know there's going to be those people oh yeah uh anything prohibited weapons anything gravity centrifugal and automatic knives yeah right and that's just a small they got a whole list of stuff that you cannot bring into the country now so an automatic knife opens automatically by pressing hand print pressure to a button. That's your old switchblade. Switch yeah. Right? I mean, those have been... Well, since been... You, I mean, that was the bad boy weapon back yeah. in the 50s, right? <laughs> yeah. You're going out for in the back alley to have a fight the two gangs. and I remember I had one, uh, that, something like that, but it was a comb. A comb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, centrifugal knife. It's a folding knife, butterfly knife. That's the one I've, I've always known. A balisong knife. Opens automatically through the use of centrifugal force. So you flip it around. And, yeah. Right. Exactly. And, the, and all of a sudden you got the two. The, basically the, the blade is in between two handle parts. Yeah. That flip around and then you end up with a blade sticking out. I have one. I have two of those. Really? I do. See, I didn't think you were allowed to have them at all. Uh, no, you're. Yeah. Uh, it's not like I travel anywhere. They're in a box in my attic. <laughs> I had them when I was in high school. So if there's <laughs> any police listening here, search the attic. <laughs> Is that where you hide the bodies too? Yes, exactly. <laughs> a gravity knife can be opened automatically by force of gravity. So that's just like the blade is inside and just yeah. flick it out. And then yes. I guess it, it sticks out and then there's got to be some way to, I guess, unstick it and it goes back into the handle. Yeah, there'd be some kind of tab or something right. that locks in place. Push dagger handle is placed perpendicular to the main cutting edge of the blade or blades. A push dagger. Yeah, that one I'm not too sure about. I'm not about. sure what that means. Yeah, I, I've never heard of a push dagger. The next two are the ones that made me think this would be for us. I knew a couple guys, and they would have the constant companion with them. Okay, yeah. The belt buckle yep. knife. So there's this little pops out of your belt buckle, and there's a little the survival little knife, knife yeah. uh, emergency knife. That's illegal. You cannot have them now. So I've got a money clip that a knife goes in the handle of the money clip. You I can't have it illegal. now. That'd be illegal now. Huh. Right? Uh, mind you, mind you, this says a belt containing a blade capable of being <laughs> withdrawn from the belt. So if your money clip How is not on is a that? belt, right? <laughs> being held with a chain on your wallet. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I, I've known a couple of guys that had the belt buckle knives. Well, now that'd be illegal. And this is the one that really, I mean, this one concerns me. Concealed blades under 30 centimeters, which is 12 inches. Yeah. My PFD has a pocket, and I've got a blade in there. Yeah. An emergency blade. And it's only about six inches. Well, it, well it, So it's, all of a sudden, that's a concealed weapon, is it not? I guess, yeah. But what about, you know, I, I have a, a blade, like a hunting knife, that goes on my hip in a sheath. I guess that But that's not really too. concealed, though, because you can see that. Okay, I see what you mean, yes. Right? But if I've got it in my pocket where no one can see it, yeah. That's concealed. Yeah. So all of a sudden, my my safety survival knife, that's only like a five, six inch blade. It becomes a liability. Becomes a concealed yeah. weapon. Huh. It becomes illegal. So yeah, any device having a length of less than 30 centimeters resembling an innocuous object, but designed to conceal a knife or blade. Uh, example, knife combs. <laughs> oh. Oh. So your knife comb... <laughs> I just talked about that. It's illegal. Check the attic. <laughs> it's next to a switchblade. Pen knives, lipstick knives, certain types of necklace knives, and knives contained in credit card sized cases clearly resembling real credit cards and designed as weapons huh. are all illegal. So. Who knew? Who knew? So those are the ones as, as a paddler. Those two... You tend to carry that kind of stuff. You, you tend to carry. Yeah. I mean, I don't know as many people that carry the constant companion belt buckle thing anymore. 
But the concealed blade. Yeah. I don't keep it out in the open. It's... I'm not sure what they're trying to achieve with this. Yeah. So... There's a lot of people trying to figure out what exactly defines what a folding knife... What folding knives are legal and illegal in Canada. Yeah. And it seems to be a lot of interpretation. Exactly. Everybody's up to interpretation. Everybody's interpretation is going to be better... Basically, one person says, generally speaking, it's not advised to carry any knife into situations where it's clearly not needed. (laughs) (laughs) Going for a haircut? You better bring your knife. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, clearly not needed. But that being said, knives that are not prohibited. And this is just... Now, this is so strange. You cannot carry... Your survival knife concealed, but you can carry a sword cane, an umbrella <laughs> dagger of more than 30 centimeters. Swords contained in canes frequently where the handle of the cane also serves. These are like evil minion the, guy like for the evil. movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so I guess this is who's been writing the laws then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Multi-tool and card tools. Now, I've got one so, of those credit card ones oh. that fit in my wallet. It's a credit yeah. card looking thing, but when you pull it out of a little case. But they said earlier you could have a multi-tool. The multi-tools, yeah. Well, that's what these ones, these ones are not prohibited. So the oh, multi-tools yeah, 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 and the yeah, card yeah, tools, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I was reading it wrong. Yeah, so they are, they are, are okie dokie. Yeah. And certain thumb stud knives. Now I'm thinking those are like the uh, exact bo- sort the of. blade. Oh, yeah, I the see. Little, yeah, the little box cutter ones. Thumb studs. Right, because they're, they're meant for work. They're not meant for gang fights. Yeah, I think Unless, you're right. of course, you're, yeah. you know, one carpet company's fighting another carpet company <laughs> out in the back alley or something. But, yeah, I, I cannot carry my survival knife, but if I had a um, sword in a cane, you're I'm free good. to go. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Use your best judgment. Don't take a blade if you don't need to take a blade. Yeah, be careful when you so, cross the board. Yeah, and I mean, be upfront with it too, right? Yes. Um, Upcoming events. There's a whole, whole crap load of stuff coming up whole in the next couple of months. Yes. So, uh, and, and this is typically the thing we do in the winter time, the, uh, the, the winter-spring events coming up. So, in... Is are, Do you have these in order? Yeah. They are in order. They are in order, buddy. Good job, buddy. So, uh, Winter in the Wild at Mew Lake in Algonquin Park. So, this is... Uh, unfortunately, I can't go now. But, Sean, you're going to be there. Boo! Boo! <laughs> Throw the bum out! So, this is the... Yes, I'll uh, be there. This is the family day weekend. So, it was 16th through 19th of February. It's uh, Mew Lake has, holds this every year now. It's it's quite the event. If, if anybody is going to winter in the wild um, at Mew Lake in Algonquin, Saturday, February 17th, I'll be there from Friday till Sunday. Yeah. Or Monday. Yes. I'm there for four days. Yeah. Uh, site 24. If you see a dude with a big beard, yeah, that's me. Drop <laughs> in and say hello. Just mention Paddling Adventures Radio and I'll know. Yeah, okay. You'll have to put out a sign. Yeah, I'm going to have to put out a sign or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the guy not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the weather should be mild enough. The weather should be mild enough. (laughs) Next up is the Toronto Outdoor Show, which is February 23rd through 25th at the Toronto International Centre. I'll be wandering around there on the Saturday. Uh Uh-huh. I don't think you're going to that, are you? I can't remember which ones I said I couldn't couldn't go to. I have to I have to have a list of stuff that I can make. I think I think you got the kiddies skiing that day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be there. And then there's the Quiet Water Symposium, March 3rd in Mi- at Michigan State University. We went to this last year. It was a really yeah. nice... Uh, I'm, I'm going this year. I wish I could go. And I can't hopefully they have the big rabbit show because yes. <laughs> Mike and I are going to go over there and bid on dinner. I mean, a rabbit. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Kevin Callan's, no, Kevin Callan's going to be there. Maybe him and I and Mikey can go over and race There you him. go. <laughs> <laughs> How much per pound for your rabbit? <laughs> oh, I, th- I think maybe there's an article there. Mikey should be videotaping us, Kevin Callan and I, bartering oh, for that's bunnies. that's going to be funny. Get yourself oh, mic'd up and stuff. Oh, jeez. Bartering for bunnies. 
then a week later is Canoe Copia, also in uh, this Madison, is Madison, Wisconsin, Wisconsin yeah. at the Alliant Energy Center, March 9 through 11. I won't be going to that one. This is quite the event, and we, we've talked about this a couple of times. We, uh, one year, I want to make it down yeah. to this. Well, apparently, we were hoping to get down there this year, but things are just not working out time-wise. Yeah, and apparently this is the biggest event of its kind. Yeah. Then we have the Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium. University of Waterloo and Theatre of Arts building on Saturday, April 7th. And we're sponsoring it? We are sponsored. One I'm of the sponsors. For this. Yep. this is going to be good. And last but not least. Last but not least is the Ottawa Outdoor Adventure Show, April 20 through 22nd at the EY Centre. So this is in Ottawa. So mm-hmm. this is uh, this is one of the final shows of the season in Ottawa. And, and I don't think either of us are planning on making it this one. Um, I'm debating what time I, I got a couple things that might be up but uh, if time works out um, I think I might uh, see if I can cruise out to it yeah yeah I was there last maybe year maybe I'll have to see if I can make it too yeah it was cool alright let's take a quick break we'll come right back hey this is Sean Rowley and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio to find out more about us check out our website paddlingadventuresradio.com you can also find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Well, Derek, that's it for today. Uh, For those listening, waterlilyturbine.com. Give it a check out. It might be worth it for you. If anybody wants to pay me to travel around the world. <laughs> or me. Or Derek pick can come me, along. I need, a, I need a Sherpa. Uh, and if you're crossing the border into Canada, watch what knives you're bringing in. It's, uh, you know, if you don't need it, then don't bring it. I want to thank everybody for listening. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us on paddlingadventuresradio.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can listen to past episodes on iTunes, Google Play, or the episode page on our website. Thanks everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.